0: All right, we are live with Investor Thrive. I have Jay Connor on here. I'm very pleased and grateful to have you on.
1: Jay, how are you? My lands, Nathan. I'm doing fantastic. And thank you so much for inviting me to come on and for us to talk about my favorite subject that I'm so passionate about, and that being private money. You know, I'm excited to talk to you about private money because I
0: think a lot of new investors don't really even think about private money, at least wholesalers, right? They're like, okay, let me just get a deal. But private money is huge to doing deals. I know, cause I've
1: had to get, you know, get a lot of it. Absolutely. Uh, as you say, you know, if someone's starting out wholesaling, they'll, they may be thinking, well, what in the world do I need private money for? Well, mm-hmm. here's the deal. As you know, uh, as well as anybody, when you're focusing on wholesaling, there's some deals that come along rather quickly that you think to yourself, well, man, <laughs> how could this like change my business if I could stay in this deal right. instead of getting an assignment fee and, you know, get all the profit and, instead of passing on that profit to somebody else? hundred
0: percent. So most of the audience that I have are brand new investors or they're wholesalers. So what advice would you give to wholesalers that uh, really aren't thinking about private money at the moment or even know what it is? Like, what, what would your advice be?
1: Well, you know, we always want to begin with the end in mind on any deal that we're doing. So when analyzing a deal, first of all, uh, I'll, just, I'll just give an extreme example. I do know this one thing for sure, which is a fact. The biggest <laughs> profits, the biggest profits that are made in real estate typically are those that have rehab involved. Right. Okay. So, you know, let's say a wholesaler says, well, you know, I don't have any relationships in place that I could even rehab. Well, there's a rider downer. You're not right. going to want to stay in a deal and use private money to fund your deal. If a rehab is involved and you don't have a relationship in place with the general contractor. So that's like number one, okay. right? However, however, how about those deals, Nathan, that come along, That like hardly don't need any rehab at all. The people won't sell creatively. They won't sell subject to the existing note. They won't sell Hmm. a seller financing. They require all the cash. Well, I'm thinking of a particular deal right now that I just closed on over in Havelock, North Carolina. The after-repaired value is $280,000. I just closed on it yesterday for $141,500. Wow. But the re reha- the rehab on it or the renovation is actually less than ten thousand. I could actually sell it as is and not sell it for two eighty. I could sell it as is for like two hundred and twenty five or two thirty and not even touch it. But the oh, only God. way I can do that and stay in the deal is if I've got private money to fund it. So the questions uh, that I recommend asking are on the exit strategies. Well, if I stay in this deal. What all is involved? Am I going to need to renovate it? Um, and so here's the deal. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you've got all cash available at your fingertips, how many more deals you actually do. That's well, true. Yeah, <laughs> it is very true. Cause if you can't find, you know, if you can't find someone to buy it, then you would lose it. Right. But you, right here you have this great deal. Exactly. And so by having the private money available, ready to close. And that's the great thing about private money. You get to make the rules. There's no applications. I can close deals in less than seven days using private money. And when a real estate investor has those funds available, the bottom line is you're just going to do more deals and your deals are going to be more profitable. So let's kind of talk about that. Uh, As a new
0: investor, private money, that might be kind of a confusing term. Is that when you say private money, are you talking like a hard money lender? Are you talking about how that's private? Are you talking private where you can get that money from like family, friends, people you know? Is there a difference?
1: There's a big difference. (laughs) There's a big difference. So when I talk private money, I'm not talking about hard money lenders or hard money brokers that have a fund and they have gone out and raised private money for their fund. And now they loan that out to real estate investors. I'm talking about doing business with human beings, doing business with individuals. And as you said, it could be family or friends. It could be existing private lenders or all the above, right? So in answer to your question, we're doing business with individuals that are loaning us real estate investors, either money from their investment capital and or their retirement funds. So that conversation of self-directed IRAs is pretty important too. So why would someone go to a hard money lender? What's the
0: benefit of a hard money lender if you can raise enough of your own private money?
1: So I say forge as many relationships as you can, right? So I've got 47 private lenders, individuals that are loaning us money on our deals. So why would you go to a hard money lender um, in addition to individual private lenders? Mm -hmm. Well, there's one thing about it. If you've got a relationship with a hard money lender, you don't have to worry about the money disappearing on you, right? Mm -hmm. However, in my case, I've never had money disappear on me. Because I stay in contact with my private lenders. They let me know what they have available. And so it's my job to put their money to work just as soon as possible. Okay. And what, what is the return that you're giving that you find that most
0: most private money lenders or people that are willing to lend their money are willing willing to do for? Is there like a percentage that you usually see?
1: Yeah. So I pay 8%. Okay. I've got friends that are paying 6% and 7% because still that's a whole lot more then you can get, or they could get it at the local bank, of but, course. um, I pay 8% uh, no origination fees, no points. Uh, if we don't cash out within the term, no extension fees, it's just a straight interest rate. Okay. Do you keep their money or do you only ask for it when you need it? So I'm only using their money and paying them a return on that money while that funding is, uh, invested into a property. Right. Perfect. So, I'm not keeping their money unless we're using it on real estate. So I don't borrow any unsecured funds. We secure every note with the real estate that we are purchasing. Is there a personal guarantee that, that you're signing with them as well?
0: Or is it a just, hey, it's secured by the asset?
1: No personal guarantees. That's another big benefit to using private money, as opposed when you borrow hard money or you're borrowing any kind of commercial or institutional yes. money, there's always a personal guarantee. But in this world of private money, no personal guarantee. Yeah, I, I'll
0: be open and honest because that's how I am with everything is I have a, a property in in, Pro, in Provo, Utah that we bought in the market as we you know was hot. Utah is hot. Utah's taking a big hit on the prices because we went up super high in values, but now it's gone down pretty, pretty hard, pretty fast. So we have a hard money lender that we're in negotiations with because the property that we bought and fixed up, it was going to sell. We're going to make a profit right now. We're at a loss. So we're having to negotiate. We're in the talks and he he's telling us like, Hey, there's a personal guarantee. So if you sell this, and i'm at a loss or you're at a loss you still got to make me whole so, because of the personal guarantee so it, it is very interesting but it happens right and you got to go with the blows but private money <laughs> you'd still want to make that private money lender whole as well if you were at a loss of course but, but uh, that's i guess the hard money lenders really have you know everything locked and loaded right locked down
1: yeah the biggest difference between borrowing institutional money hard money banks whatever and working with private lenders individuals is we make the rules. You know, when I was borrowing money from the banks, they made the rules, they set the interest rate, they set the loan to value, they set the length of the note, they set how often you have to make payments. In this world of private money, we make the rules, right? For example, I set the rule that I will not allow my private lenders to loan or invest more than 75% of the after repaired value. Mm -hmm. I didn't say 75% of the purchase price, 75% of the after-repaired value. What I bought, what I buy it for is doesn't make any difference. So let's say, for example, uh, for easy figuring, there's a house I'm going to buy with an after-repaired value of Mm $200,000. Well, after-repaired value, $200,000. Well, let's say it's got a $30,000 rehab. Well, I buy houses that need rehabs all the time at 50% or less of after repaired value. So I might buy that house for $100,000. Well, here's another big reason I love private money. Mm-hmm. I never, never with a capital N, okay. ever take any of my own money to the closing table when I'm buying. Love it. I always get a big check mm-hmm. because I always borrow more than I need to buy. Okay. Well, the only way that formula works is if you are buying at a discount, right? So I'm, I never bring any of my I'm using private money, never take any of my own money to closing. I get a big check when I buy. And then we actually structure deals to where if we're going to do a flip, I don't even make any monthly payments. You don't have to make monthly payments. You can structure it to where the interest just accrues. You Until it, you're yeah. ready to cash out. And that, that's only going to work if you're in it for like six months or nine months, something course, like that. Again. And then when you sell it, you pay off the private lender note along with the accrued interest. But another great thing about private money is there's no hurry to pay it back. If you can sell that house and have a positive cash flow, you could sell it on rent to own as long as you've got a positive cash flow and what you can rent it out for over and beyond your underlying debt of the private lender note. And so depending on how cheap you buy that house, I've sold a lot of houses on rent to own while I had used private money to fund it. But here's a big lesson learned. Mm -hmm. Don't go do, don't go do a major rehab on a house and sell it on rent to own. Mm -hmm. Even though I require people to get in our credit repair program, I got tired of rehabbing them more than once. Yeah. Right.
0: They don't take care of them. Right.
1: So You know, I, I, my definition is I'll sell a house on rent to own if I'm not having to put more than $10,000 of renovations in it, but a but a major rehab, I'm going to want to get that money back out of it. And I'm assuming rent to own is the same thing as a lease option, correct? Same thing.
0: Same thing. Okay. And I'm assuming you require a down payment from whoever you're uh, doing a lease option rent to own from, or not, not always.
1: Well, the legal term, I would require a down payment if I'm selling it with owner financing and transfer right. and title. If I'm selling it on lease option, lease purchase, rent to own, all the same thing, I'm going to get a large, the legal term is a large non refundable option fee. Option. Most fee, people, right. most people call it a non refundable lease option deposit. Okay. Well, I don't say deposit because deposit infers that they're going to get, gonna it, get back. it back. <laughs> Got right? it. So, However, when they're ready for a mortgage, the option fee that's non refundable that they paid when they moved in 100% of that option fee is applied to the purchase price. Perfect. And you
0: specifically call it
1: option fee. Correct.
0: Okay. Wow. So I think this is awesome. So for me, I've actually raised quite a bit of private money to, And this is how I structured it. I would get hard money for 80% and then I'd get private money for the down and for the repairs, but it sounds like you're getting, you have enough, or you're raising enough to do the whole, the whole purchase. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Purchase more than I need to buy it. And if rehab's involved, all the rehab money upfront and the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about, you know, using private money. And, you know, I teach all the time how you raise private money without asking for it. The beautiful thing is there's no application fee. There's no application period. There's no, uh, credits. Your credit score has got nothing to do with how much private money you can get. The way I do private money, it really puts you in the driver's seat and in control of the destiny of your business. Wow. So do you
0: suggest people use private money for uh, anything outside of uh, backing, like buying a a real estate property? Like, is there anything else that they can be doing with that? Or is it only uh, buying properties?
1: So private money in the context of real estate can be used for single family houses. It can be used for commercial self-storage. In fact, if a self-storage operator is selling and they're not selling with seller financing, then a lot of my friends use private money for that. Private money is used for small apartments, uh, you know, large apartments, right? It's all the same money, but it's how you structure it differently. So like on large real estate stuff, they're gonna be doing what we call syndication, raising Mm -hmm. money for a fund. So the private lenders will be investing in a fund that will fund the upcoming project. The way I do private money, is everything is what we call one-offs. And what I mean by one-off is that every single family house that is funded by a private lender or more than one private lender, that house is collateralizing the note that the private lender, uh, you know, that we're, that we're borrowing the money. But in answer to your question, private money can be used for anything. I mean, you know, venture capitalists, I mean, that's, that's private money, but in most of those cases, it's not going to be backed by real estate if you're like raising money to start up a, uh, a company right. or something.
0: That was kind of my th- question is like, uh, do other people maybe raise, you know, pay a return of 8% on maybe something marketing spend if they want to send out mailers? I don't know if that really happens, but, uh, you know. Just...
1: Well, I can only speak from my experience, mm-hmm. and that is the only private money that I borrow is when I have a property that's got the equity in it that I can back and secure that note.
0: So let's let's talk about this. So you can get properties at fifty percent normally, or a little bit lower. You ask for seventy five percent of the ARV, so you're getting more. You're borrowing more than you need, and they don't. So they don't even ask what you what you got it for. You don't even talk about it. You're just saying, "Hey, I'm I need seventy five percent of what this property is worth," and and that's the discussion.
1: Let me go through that discussion, Nathan. Let's Let, do it. Let let me go through that script. So one way or not one way, the way that I raise millions in private money without ever asking for it is first of all, you know, the old traditional way, Nathan, of borrowing money for real estate Mm -hmm. is you go to the bank and you get on your hands and knees and you put (laughs) your hands under your chin and you look at Mrs. Banker or Mr. Banker, you say, please fund my deal, please fund my deal, right? Uh, in this world, there is no asking, begging, selling, chasing. We're right. doing business with individuals. So, you know, the old traditional model is you're is your going and asking. In this world, we're offering a mortgage. We're not asking for a mortgage. So, how do we start out? How do we start out? How do we do this without right. asking for money? Well, step number one is you put on your teacher hat. Okay. And you see my first six years I've been investing in single family houses. I've done over 450 rehabs. My first six years in this business, I relied on the local banks and I was at the mercy of the local banks. And then I lost my line of credit due to the global financial crisis in 2009, January, 2009. Mm -hmm. I learned about private money immediately. And so then I put my own program together. You see, I wasn't going to be following the bank's program anymore. So what do I mean by my own program? My program as to what I'm going to be paying and offering my private lenders. What's okay. my in, You know, what's my interest rate, right? What's the points? What's the length of the note? Maximum loan to value, et cetera. And so I put my program together and then I put on my teacher hat. Mm-hmm. And I started, first of all, teaching people in my own circle of influence, what in the world private money is. Hmm. what are self-directed IRAs, how they can use retirement funds to get unlimited income per year, tax-free or tax-deferred at least. Mm-hmm. So I put on my teacher hat. I view myself as a teacher. In fact, when I'd meet somebody new, they ask me what I do. I say, I teach people just like you and me how to earn high rates of return safely and securely. I teach them about several IRAs. So I teach them what it is then I teach them my program. I don't ask them for money. Yeah, so you're when not, they yeah. they can
0: get those. Hmm. Yeah, you're. Yeah, it sounds like you're just
1: telling them what you do. And yeah, I love it. And so I'm teaching them the program. I don't have to ask. I don't have to ask. You know, do you want to invest whatever? If they've got investment capital, retirement funds, of course they do. Where else can they get yep. these kind of returns? If they've got retirement funds, then I introduce them to my connection at the um, self-directed IRA company where I refer all of my private lenders that have retirement funds. So now I know how much money they have. So I hadn't asked, I taught them what it is. Now, how do I get a deal funded without asking them if they want to fund the deal? So I know how much someone's got to work with. So let's let's go through this little uh, script role play here. So That's let's it. say, Nathan, you're one of my new private lenders. Let's okay. say you've got $150,000, right? Okay. Just in just in liquid capital, just sitting there that you'd like to get a high rate of return safely and securely. So I say, Nathan, I'm going to put your money to work for you just as soon as possible. Or if you've got retirement funds, I'll introduce you to myself, uh, directed IRA representative. And they'll help you move your funds over. So I know how much you got. You got $150,000 in our example. So let's say okay. a week goes by and now I've got a deal that I want, that I've got under contract and I want to get funded. So I pick up the phone, believe it or not, Nathan, we still have uh, hands yeah. here in North Carolina with cords. Let's go. Can you believe? So I pick up the phone. I, I call you, you answer the phone. Here's the script. I said, hey, Nathan, how's it, how's it going, man? Good, good. What can I do for you? We're having like a little chit chat, you know? And then I say, Nathan, I have got great news for you. I can now put your money to work for you. I've got a house in Newport under contract with an after-repaired value of $200,000, the funding required for the deal is 150,000. I know you got 150,000 because you already told me. The closing is next Thursday, so you'll need to have your 150,000 wired to my real estate attorney's trust account next Wednesday. I'm gonna have my real estate attorney email you the wiring instructions. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the end of the conversation. I didn't ask you, do you want to fund the deal? That's the most stupid question in the world I could ask you. Of course you want to fund the deal. You've been, you've been waiting for me to call you to let you know that I can put your money to work. See, there's a big lesson I learned years ago, Nathan, uh-huh. don't ever make this mistake. Don't ever talk about private money, your private lending program, how it works. And in the same conversation, you've got a deal to be funded. You're already desperate and you don't even sound like you're desperate, right? <laughs> It's yeah. like, when is the worst time in the world to be raising private money? When you need it. <laughs> I like That's that. the worst
0: time yeah, to be I like raising that.
1: private money, right? You, so teach, me- you teach people what the program is, how much they got to work with, and now you call them back as soon as you can with a deal for them to fund. So let me ask you this. So the, this scenario,
0: this person you called, they are – are you asking or just telling them, "Hey, let's time to put your money to work"? Is there money in a self directed IRA, and you know that's why you know how much is in there?
1: No, both cases. Either I have introduced them; they've got retirement funds, and I introduced them to my self directed IRA rep, mm-hmm. and they've transferred funds over, or they've told me they've got X number of investment capital, X dollars, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, that they want to start with. By the way, Nathan, they always have more than they tell you, right? Of course. So. They want to start with $200,000 and it's just liquid capital. Okay. And I say, okay, I'll put you down. I'll put you in the queue. I'm going to put your money to work for you just as soon as possible. Now, one of the first questions they're going to ask is, well, how fast can you put my money to work? You need to have an answer for that question. My answer is typically within 30 days. Do you know how I know that? Because when I have a new private lender, guess what? They go to the top of the queue.
0: Yes did. And we're going
1: to put their money to work first because I want to show them and prove to them that I can perform and I can actually get their money invested for them.
0: So let me ask you this. So I have a traditional IRA and I have a Roth IRA. Me and my wife do. We max it out every year, right? But uh, if we were to transfer it to a self-directed IRA, does that not inc- uh, accrue interest? Does it not make money unless it's being directed or unless it's being worked on? Is it just sitting That's there? correct. Okay. It's just
1: sitting there. So I have a moral and ethical obligation if I have even introduced, which, you know, none of my private lenders ever heard of separate IRAs. None of them ever heard of private money until I taught them your private lenders are probably the same way, Mm -hmm. right? And so particularly if they have retirement funds and they've moved those funds over for the purpose of you to put their money to work, because they don't have, they don't have anywhere else to go Mm -hmm. because you're the person that taught them about it. Right. Right. So I am obligated to put their money to work just as soon as I can. And
0: uh, on the self-directed IRA, any money that you make, uh, that they're making on the 8% is not, uh, is tax deferred or they don't pay taxes on, correct?
1: Correct. Because all those returns are going back to their self-directed IRA account. The returns are not going to them directly.
0: Can you tr- transfer a Roth or a traditional anytime to self-directed or is there like a Absolutely. cutoff on it? Okay. So there's not a cutoff on age or time no. or no. interesting. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about doing, making it self-directed, but you can't invest your own. You have to have right. someone else invest it. And it, I don't think it can be family either. Right. It has to be like, it can't be family and it can't be yourself. Correct.
1: Well, it can't be yourself. That's called self-dealing, mm-hmm. but it can be your family, depending on who your family member is. Okay. So the IRS will not let you borrow money from someone else's retirement account mm-hmm. if you have a vertical relationship, meaning That's right. if it's your father, your mother, your grandparents, your great grandparents, or if it's your children, mm-hmm. right? Or your grandchildren those relationships cannot borrow from each other on real estate. However, lateral relationships. Yes. Okay. So you can borrow from your cousins. You can borrow from your brother. You can borrow from your sister. You can borrow from your uncle from your aunt. I mean, got it. My wife, Carol, Joy and I we've got a lot of nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. that are our, that are our private lenders gotcha and do you want it primarily when you do a
0: single family property Do you just try to have one person versus bringing in a multiple private money lenders or
1: it, it, it all it? depends our minimum I, I, don't, I don't have any private lenders unless they have at least fifty thousand okay. dollars gotcha that they have to invest either liquid capital or retirement funds and so it depends on the deal i mean it depends on what i'm buying and depends on what monies i have available what i call sitting in the queue Mm-hmm. Just waiting, just waiting to be used. For instance, I bought a um, bought a property yesterday, and one hundred fifty thousand dollars was in first position, and then there was a smaller fifty thousand dollar in second position. So it just all depends on the deal. However, when you're using more than one private lender to fund a deal, then what you want to be careful about is what we call the total loan to value. Mm -hmm. So I want to add, if I'm having more than one note, more than one lender funding a property, I would add up both of their loans, Mm -hmm. right? Divide by the after-repaired value. And I still don't want that after-repaired value percentage to be uh, the the loan to value to be more than 75% total loan to value. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's talk about first and second position. I think I understand it, but just to make sure, how, how does that work? The person that puts up more money is usually in first position in the second position. And that that means if, for example, you had to sell the property and it was under the first person would first position gets paid before second.
1: When you say sell the property, but like
0: so for example, let's say you borrow 150 total and the pro- you try to sell the property, but it's not worth 150, right? You say it's 140 and you're under, right? Like you would have to pay off the first position first before the second position. Does, it, does that make sense in that scenario? Like you're just under underwater, you're selling it for less than what uh, you bought it for.
1: So let's address, let's address that. So any junior lane position is at higher risk than mm-hmm. a first position. Meaning let's say a second position, private lender, if they were to foreclose because you're not paying, Mm -hmm. well, they've got, the only way they can be made whole is they're going to be inheriting the first position. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's a big, there's a five letter word in this business that starts with a T called trust. Right. So, you know, well, that's, that's why I'm not borrowing more than 75% of the after repaired value. If the market starts to come down, then typically I'm going to be able to lower that price and liquidate out before I am upside down. I will say ever since 2009 of doing private money, I've never been upside down on what I could sell it for Mm -hmm. versus what I had borrowed because of... That twenty five percent equity cushion, as we call it.
0: Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I, I just I know a lot of people say like, okay, I want to be in first position, like when they're they're borrowing money, they want that, and I think hard money lenders are all, will never take like a second position. They're like, oh, hey, of they course not, first.
1: right? Of okay. course not. So your junior positions are only going to come from your own connections and your warm market and people that you teach about this world. Gotcha. So what what situation would you
0: need a second position? Is that when you're not able to raise the complete amount from the first position? Correct. Okay. Can there be like 10 positions on a property?
1: Well, the most I've ever had is five. Okay. And that's when I was doing a property for 900, an after-repaired value of $900,000 down at Emerald Isle, North okay. Carolina, but that's out of the ordinary. Typically I'm gonna have maybe two, maybe three. Depending on how much how much funding each one has
0: in, in syndication is when you syndicate a property is there are there multiple is it work like that too where there's a first position second position or do they all when they syndicate get one, like the first position they just bring their money together
1: well there is no positioning there's no positioning in a syndication okay they're just invest they're investing in the fund right? oh okay all right they're investing in the fund and they already. I mean, depending on how the fund is set up, if it's for a development project, there may not be any interest that's paid. They may get what's called preferred interest, which is a piece of the back end of the profit five years down the road after the project is developed and then sold off. Uh, So when we talk positions, we're talking about people having mortgages or deeds of trust here in North Carolina. Uh, That's the context of when we're talking about positions. All right.
0: and In that scenario, that role play we did, uh, where you called that person and said, hey, wire, my my attorney's going to send you our wiring instructions. Is that uh, the situation someone would be in with a self-directed IRA? They would still have to wire the money from their self-directed out? Or would you have access to that person's self-directed to just take the money after asking for their permission? Uh, How does that usually work?
1: Yeah. So regardless as to whether it's just investment capital or if it's retirement funds, All funds are going to be wired to the closing agent. Now, you know, some states use title companies, and so it may be wired to the title company, but the real estate attorney is still going to prepare the closing documents for private money because a title company doesn't prepare closing documents. They're just used to receiving closing documents. But in answer to your question, doesn't matter where the money's coming from, retirement funds, investment capital, liquid funds, it's all being sent to the closing agent and then no funds are dispersed until after closing and everything's on record. Got it.
0: You know, what's interesting. I, I was trying to refinance out of this property that I was telling you about. Unfortunately, it's less worth less than what we bought it for. But it's like at seven point five percent interest from a bank uh, for an investment loan. So, and you're getting eight percent. So, like, we're pretty close. Uh, mm-hmm. Has that has that uh, changed over, over this time since interest rates have been creeping up? Have have uh, your private money lenders been like, hey, I want a little bit more since interest is, you know, going up?
1: No, I've had um, I've had one mm-hmm. ask me that question in the past year. And I say, well, what we do is we compare what we're paying to our private money lenders to what a private money lender can get in the local bank. And when it's still close to 1%, eight times 1% seems pretty good to us. Yeah, for
0: sure. But
1: but, but remember, remember who's making the rules. You are,
0: they need you. That's right. Because you're out there finding the deals and putting their money to work. Exactly. Do you ever lend out your private money and become the hard money broker or do you not really? Sure,
1: sure. I use my retirement funds at the self directed IRA company. I love, I love passive income too. Okay.
0: So you're able to do that. Cause I was just wondering with, let's say you have all this money from 47 people or more. They, they, I don't know if you're able to give them all work, like put all their money to work. So you probably, do you lend their, their money out
1: as a hard money lender? No, 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 no. I can't do that unless I'm a licensed mortgage broker in the state where the deal is happening. Okay. So I thought you were asking me if I use my own personal retirement funds.
0: No, I'm just saying like with all the people's money that you have available, right, that uh, I don't know if you're able to put all their money to work. And so they're all just sitting there until you call them. Yeah, I was wondering how you, if you put their money to work somehow, some other way than bringing them, asking them. Right. One, one no, I two.
1: just, yeah. I just use um, our private lenders funding on our deals. Okay.
0: Is that what a hard money lender is though? He has all these private money lenders and he gets them and he says, Hey, I'll lend it out to this guy. And yes. Okay. But you're, you're, you don't do that.
1: No hard money lender or broker, which I have lots of friends that are, I say make as many relationships as you can. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have private money, Hard money is a whole lot better than no deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's a good deal, right?
0: Yeah. Have you Have you kind of been on the edge of being like, "Hey, I got all this these people to have money that is available. Maybe I should start
1: lending their money out." Have you thought? No, of No, because I'm able to use it. Hey, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> I got doing- I got I got eight I got eight and a half million dollars of private money that we're using on our projects, but that's sort of easy to do. When you've got nine or 10 projects going simultaneously.
0: Yeah. So do you, how are you coming across a lot of the deals that you're, you're investing in? Do you have a team that's going to acquire them like acquisition team? Do you have people that bring you deals and you just analyze them all day? How does that
1: work on your side? Well, I sure don't analyze them all day. It takes me about one minute to analyze a deal. <laughs> so <50%. I'm, laughs> I've had a, I've had a full-time acquisitionist that uh, negotiates and gets all the information initially and so we have multiple marketing funnels that are feeding that are feeding leads coming in every day. So I've got three different uh, pay-per-click Google ad campaigns going on simultaneously. I have two Facebook uh, ad campaigns going on simultaneously. We also track and direct mail every foreclosure open file in our market. And so between the foreclosures, which by the way, have opened up big time and the uh, Google pay-per-clicks and the Facebook ads and uh, pre-probates, uh, that we direct mail to our marketing funnel stays full in wow. a very, very small market of only 40,000 people. How about that? I only, <laughs> Hey, Nathan, I only do two to three houses a month, but the average profit right now is $78,000 per house.
0: Do you feel like uh, because you're in that small market, you've, you've really mastered it and that does actually benefit you to stay in that local market in that one place?
1: Outline smaller markets are always outperforming the return on your marketing dollars. Versus all that competition in the city.
0: A hundred percent. I agree with you on hundred percent because it is, uh, that's what I kind of, as a wholesaler, we've targeted these major cities, right? So, cause that little place, that, that small area, unless you're buying those properties, it's, it's kind of hard for us when you do nationwide to find those buyers that are, are kind of like you, you're a buyer, right? You're, Absolutely. you're taking, wow. That's amazing strategy. I love it. How long have you been doing that strategy for where you're like, you're taking down those deals with private money and you're running your own thing in this market? Since 2009. Wow. And you really perfected that thing, I bet. It's like a well-oiled machine.
1: Well, I still learn lessons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's been, I've had a really good time chatting with you. This is amazing that you're able to do it. And that's kind of the struggle that wholesalers face is we're not buying the deal. So we really are at the mercy of, can we sell it? But you've solved that problem by bring getting enough money. We're like, hey, this is a deal. I can make money. I don't have to run this by anyone. It's my decision.
1: Exactly. Like. You are the committee.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you are the committee.
0: Wow. So that, that d- would help a lot of wholesalers that are maybe struggling that are like, man, I know this is a deal. I know there's a return, but I can't find anyone to buy it. Then you get the private money. There you go. Before we end, if you had any advice for a wholesaler, that's uh, starting out, what would that be for them?
1: For a wholesaler starting out? Well, mm-hmm. first of all, if you want to start out in wholesaling, you need to work with somebody that knows what they're doing and don't go about this by yourself. And that guy's name would be Nathan Payne. That's you need me. to work with Nathan Payne. That's right. right. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, I started in this business, investing in real estate without a mentor, without a coach, bad way to go. I lost a lot of money and made some mighty, mighty big mistakes. So be sure if you're starting out in wholesaling, work with somebody that knows what they're doing.
0: That's 100% true. And for anyone that needs it, I'm assuming you have like a course and you teach people exactly how to do the script, kind of what we went over is do you sell something like that, like a course?
1: I got something better than that. What you got? How about an absolutely free F R E E? Free. I just recently finished writing my private money guide, right? Wow. Which is called Seven Reasons Why Private Money Will Skyrocket Your Real Estate Business and Help You Build Incredible Wealth. It's free. You can download this private money guide to get you on the fast track at jconnor.com J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash money guide. That's J Connor with an E-R, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash money guide. All right, let me put that up there. Let me
0: see if I got it for you. We're going we're gonna to have it just scrolling across the bottom. Is that it? jconnor.com forward slash money guide.
1: That's it right there. Wow. You're giving that out for free. Why are you so nice? <laughs> because I hang around go givers like Nathan Payne.
0: That's awesome. You know, I'm actually going to go and grab that. I've been focusing mainly on just getting the down, right? Like I've never really thought,
1: oh, I need to raise the whole, uh,
0: you know, amount, but sounds like it's a good idea. You know, it's, it's well, you I mean, on point. Saves yeah, on people, if you
1: really want be if you really want to be in control and not paying the points, origination fees, et cetera. And I tell you Nathan, um, if I could let me also tell your audience about my podcast, please do. which is all about private money. So uh, wherever you listen to your podcast or um, Spotify, iTunes, the name of my podcast is Raising Private Money. With Jay Connor, very very easy to find. Just go in your search bar. I'm on YouTube as well, um, iTunes or Spotify. You can definitely um, not miss out on anything there. So, raising private money with Jay Connor podcast.
0: Podcast, raising private money with Jay Connor. I actually had the privilege of going on your podcast, and I had a wonderful time. I think it's amazing. I appreciate you having me. I'm I'm so grateful to have you on here, and we're actually going to be seeing each other soon the end of the month at one of the mastermind meetups we're part of so i look forward to
1: it me too nathan thank you so much for having me come on
0: anytime all right well we'll catch you later everybody that's tuning in hit up jay connor he's giving away free books and he's got an awesome podcast uh definitely do it because i'm doing it see you guys later
1: see you